Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on August 30th, 2015. This is a time of almost frenzy actually, in places where it gets cold in the winter, very cold, like where I am in Canada, because you have to get all the wood in and start building up that wood pile before the snow flies, and who knows, it could start very early this year. Last year was a very early onset, and it was the longest winter I've experienced. Really, I mean, you're burning firewood or using oil or whatever for at least six months of the year, at least, and sometimes more. Because you see, the warm, we've got global warming. Everything's warming up, apparently, and that's why your winters are getting longer. And yesterday, as I was out there doing the wood cutting and the stacking and all the rest of it, which is really good for you too, as long as you don't overdo it too fast when you're getting right into it for the first time in the year sort of thing, because you can strain a, oh, so many muscles in your body that you forget that you have. And, but it sure reminds you that they're all right. But I was thinking about it once that little wood pile stack was up there, and that's the beginning, you see. And you, you, you sit back in the evening because the, you're going to get covered too. You're going to get covered in anti-mosquito repellent because the bugs are here with you here in Canada, right at the bitter end, actually, until the snow flies. And um, but I was sitting there thinking about it, looking at the wood pile, and you get that kind of contented feeling. You know, you've sweated an awful lot, and, and your clothes are sticking to you, and you know you've done some good, honest work, like, like manual labor type of thing. And I, and I sat back and I, and I looked at it all, and I says, that's, that's a good start, you see. You know, when people live all over the world in their own little areas. Many of them are born and they die in them. But you get so attached to a place so quickly, it doesn't matter what it's like. It can be the worst dump in the world, being kind of attached to it, because it keeps you alive, you see. That little place keeps you alive. And that's awfully important, isn't it? So I was thinking about that and pondering it yesterday and, uh, and in the evening. And it, was, it got really quiet, you see, even between all the trains that go by now at incredible speeds because, and they're all their wisdom for the economy and all that, there's no speed limits now uh, of the trains going past uh, houses in the country or even some of the towns. Uh, and so they're really, really noisy when they pass. But in between the trains, you have that bit of peace, you know. And I, and I thought, hey, there's a wood pile on the whole bit, and that's a good, good start to it. And... And I was all sweaty, and I thought, oh, you feel really, really good about it. Really good. You've done something worthwhile. And um, in between listening to the, the silence and the sound of my vehicle rusting, I, I looked up too at the sky, and there's that familiar thing too that you become almost fond of in a sense because it's familiar to you uh, as the chem sprays were spraying all over the place, back and forth across the sky. And I knew darn well they bringing on rain during the night or during the day, the following day. And, and there you go, you see, it's like clockwork. It's, it's nice to have reliable things like that, isn't it? And you're like, it makes you feel kind of secure that things are working out the way you perceive them to be. And, and sure enough, today it just rained and rained. And the humidity is way up, even though the temperature's down. The humidity is way up there. And it's clammy, and it's a damp clamminess too. And sometimes you can even get the, used to the smell, you see, the chem sprays that comes down. Because now, of course, with, the, with the, the dew coming down at night, you get that moistness in the grass, even when it's not raining. 
and you, you, there's dew there and everything's kind of soaking for a while and you'll see it in the morning too. Uh, it's familiar to you, you see, and you get that familiar chemical spray of, it's like metallic and substances and minerals and things like that. So that's what makes you kind of feel at home, isn't it? The things are going the way they're supposed to go. They're familiar to you. And then I thought about all the lack of news for today's show, because really everything is so censored now. Everyone's complying in mainstream, of course, they always do. But with all the new laws coming that have come down already in Canada, you can, some, things, some things you can't talk about at all. And there's nothing derogatory about the actual topics. It's just that it might offend somebody or whatever. And so you can't say anything. It's forbidden by law. Uh, and, and then I thought, well, you know, and I look back again at the outside there, the, the drizzle and the smell of the metallic stuff coming down from the sky from all that spring. I thought, I never ever thought, never thought that so many people way up there, you know, way up there that manage us all, cared so much about little old me. They don't want me to freeze to death. Uh, they don't want me to, 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 to boil or get fried to death either. So they're spraying the skies to save us all. At least that's what the New Agers say in a way. And would you ever think that you were the focus of so much attention? Isn't it amazing you love so much and have so many folk working tirelessly to keep you safe from everything, every possible darn thing, supposedly? And then I thought, well, it's a shame, too, that this stuff's killing all the trees off. The birches are dying like crazy now. Because the, 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 the soil is probably so high in aluminum oxide and various other substances... That must be the reason. But it's dying off all over the place. And lots of folk have told me the same thing up this way. And then I thought, well, maybe they have to do that to, to save us, you see. And then I thought, well, it's killing us as well, the people. You know, what a tough decision. It must be away at the top there. You know, the people who come out of special wombs and they're born with this altruistic love for you all, that they work tirelessly to save you, even though they have to kill a lot of you to do it. And I thought, isn't it nice to, to feel so secure with this knowledge, though, that people really care about you? Even if you die off, you, they'll really care and be awfully sad. I'm sure they'll say things like that in speeches at their big secret meetings and stuff. And they can't tell us all the truth because, you see, down here, we wouldn't understand these big oh, intellectual and scientific problems. It's too much for our little heads to bear, you know. We should just play down at the bottom and, and just go out dying off quietly watching ridiculous things on television. They're so infantile now and straightforward with their propaganda content. But that's the world we live in, isn't it? And I scoured the news today. I scoured it looking for anything to talk about. As I say, some things just of general interest you can't talk about anymore. And um, I think they're adding to the list all the time, no doubt. Uh, but what you're left with is just this puerile nonsense of, of nothingness, you see. Absolute nothingness. And you're left with lots of topics about foreign news, someplace way over yonder somewhere, but nothing about your own countries, except more secret deals and trade partnerships and investment partnerships. And, but it's all secret again. Because again, they can't let you know. It might worry you. And they don't want you to be worried. That's why it's secret, you see. 
That's the reason to keep everything secret. Isn't that nice of them, isn't it? What we get today is trivia for news. And the little semi-scandal, or could be a scandal, or may turn into a scandal, nonsense, you see. It's, a, it's part of the science of controlling people. Who always want to see uh, the nasty folk at the top, the ones who are awfully rich in that, and become politicians, and runs in, like dynasties, political dynasties, basically. You want to see them get their comeuppance, but it never really happens in real life, doesn't it? It doesn't happen at all, does it? So you're left really with, uh, again, this trivia they churn out uh, to keep you occupied and prattling on with each other because all you have to talk about today is what you've heard on the news, or what's, what the topics are for the day, and uh, the rest of it's just entertainment, isn't it? And even that's chock full of indoctrinations and things like that. So you have to start thinking for yourself, and by God, that can be a painful experience for a lot of people who've been brought up with the radio and television era, indoctrinating them all the time and filling their heads with other people's voices via the electronic airwaves, basically. So when you have to think for yourself, it can be awfully scary. Like, a lot of folk will say to you, what do you think about when you're out walking? You see? And you have to really stop there and say, well, what do I think? Well, the thing is, your mind peruses things, or, or it would, you see. Let it ramble itself. I should write a book on how to let your mind just go rambling. And, and that's a natural process. People used to ramble all the time because they didn't have other people's voices flying out from radio speakers or television and so on, telling them what to do and think about or are you concerned about or what do you think of and all that rubbish, you see. So it's a, a novel experience to think for yourself for a lot of people. Lots of folk today... And the studies all prove it too. Can't go to sleep. They mean they grew up like this. Unless they've got the radio or television on all the time. Therefore, silence is a scary thing to them. Silence. Because nowadays, you see, with all the, the laws that are come down the pike and all the rest of it and are implemented, you could be a thought criminal. I mean, is it safe to have a certain thought or even a question in your head? I think the government should really open up some kind of bureau and for questions. Like, I was going to peruse this today when I was out walking or had five minutes free time. Uh, is it safe to do so? You see? And if it's not safe to do so, they could have some psychiatrist answer you or a neuroscientist or something and recondition you into how you should, what you should think about, you see? then you wouldn't be a thought criminal then. Because you might be a thought criminal and you don't know it. Eh? Just like Winston's neighbor in Brave New World. Didn't know he was a thought criminal. And he said himself, he was lucky that his daughters noticed it. You see? And reported it. Who knows where it would have gone with the thought he may have had, you see? And that's where we are today. Quite something, isn't it? You know, all the children in Scotland are getting tested now by law from a very early age about certain things to see if they have the potential of being a thought criminal. And 
maybe even having the ability and the curiosity to look up certain things for themselves and come to their own conclusions, how dangerous could that be? <gasps> What's even more astonishing is people accept it. Huh? That, that, that's really astonishing, isn't it? But then again, you see in the 20th century and the 21st century, folk have been brought up in fiction, really well done fiction, through mass media communications and television and all the rest of it. And Hollywood, of course, that gives them a, some glorious image of the past that never existed. Whenever you see the BBC, for instance, churning out these ridiculous Victorian or Edwardian uh, document, movies, as you call them, or made-for-television dramas, it's never, some, it's never based on any ordinary peasant. It's always the ones who call their, their dad and mum, Mama and, and Papa, and, and things like that. And they've all got horses in the country somewhere in some estate, you see. It's, it's just incredible, you see. You don't know that the mass of the people were going through hell all through the industrial era. Absolute hell. And then you find, too, that in the U.S., very quickly Hollywood changed the whole history of America by churning out cowboy movies until everyone thinks their ancestors were cowboys and they were free. Isn't that amazing? They think they were free at one time. For those who do have thought crime in different ways and who want to know about the past and and how countries came to be and the ruling elites in the countries and how they got their wealth and all that, it can be a dangerous avenue to go down. And it's not that easy to get a hold of stuff too. It's all going down the memory hole, you know, labeled for deletion. Been awfully successful until you're left with basically nothing but cowboys and stuff. But once in a while you come across one uh, here and there, and generally by the leftist organizations and the early Marxist organizations or co- even communist organizations that at least had to get something on, on the elites, you see, that was factual and had to do a lot of studying and homework on what happened prior to their own lives and so on as to how even the U.S. came into being. It's quite a, a fascinating book actually out there by Gustavus Myers. And I think he was a communist probably. And he published a book in 1911 using old books from the previous century and, uh, and documentation from, say, New York, for instance, uh, from the, the, the different uh, archives and records and so on of, of land transfers. And what a story it is. But again, it doesn't shock me because... It seems to me uh, that most of humanity is always run by those who are the psychopathic types who always get to the top, you see. They intermarry their own kind of psychopaths and, and, until they run everything. And maybe that's a natural law. And for, ever thought about that? That's a scary thing to think about, isn't it? And yet it fits in with the Darwinian theories, you see. And um, of those who who always prosper, 
who can afford to have children. For, they don't stop and say, well, well they move the idiocracy. Uh, oh, I can't have children right now because the market's not good and the cost of living's high, blah, blah. Maybe down the road, maybe, you see. Uh, no, they, they, they can afford, because they hire nannies and things to take care of their children. So they don't even spend time with the children, in fact. That's established all the old British way, too, where the elite of Britain uh, sent their children off after having nannies and so on to, to private boarding schools. They might see them once a year during some holiday, and that was it. But they could certainly afford the best foods to feed them so they were healthy uh, and, and they'd have more chance of surviving childhood. Whereas the common folk, of course, in Britain, uh, had a, a pretty slim, it was a kind of 50-50 chance if you'd live or die past the age of five. But um, again, go into the history of Gustavus Myers, because he wrote a book called uh, History of the Great American Fortunes. And it's awfully interesting how the incredible blatant corruption was way more blatant even then, but more so, obviously, because the people couldn't do anything about it anyway. They didn't have even an idea, really, of, of this democracy thing. And, and there's nothing you could do about it. And you see the incredible scams of certain people buying up whole chunks of uh, the Eastern Seaboard and in New York, too. And, uh, and, and they were bribing off the commissioners that, that had their authority to sell them it, that these bits of land for peanuts, because they, they give a, a bit bigger bribe in the cost of the land to the guy that gave out the, uh, the land deeds and so on. It's amazing, absolutely amazing. And some families are mentioned how they got their fortunes, like the DuPonts, etc. Again, it's amazing. This guy bribed everybody uh, for, 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 through the United States, right up to the federal level. He had lots of them on his payroll, literally on, literally on his payroll. And they've got the old payrolls too. But you should read the, as much as you can get, uh, if you get hold of old, old, old books. Because I say that they truly are, by deliberation, being shoved down the memory hole. And eventually you won't have any records of the past except you're all cowboys, you see. That's the way it's gone. That's the way it's gone. But today, you see, folk get into this little shock thing. Why feign shock when you're not really shocked about things? Because are we, are we really shocked when you see the corruption surfacing in our own time? Much better managed than it used to be. Although Britain, for instance, and all European countries were far better keeping things quiet from the public and, and the public generally never knew anything except the Queen was awfully nice and uh, things like that and all her immediate families and upper nobilities and uh, they're all statesmen you see they call them statesmen it sounded better than politician and, and, and it sounds better we like things that sound nice you see and we say again we can go to bed at night into your straw bed as they used to do and sleep better no not all these folk were special and and they cared about you, and, and they couldn't lie or tell a lie, like George Washington couldn't either, because they were statesmen, you see. Like, I mean, they had some internal integrity that no one else had. Very rare thing, that, you see. And that's what we get. So what they give us today is the, the managed, the managed um, 
it's not even scandal anymore, really. It's something that could be a scandal, but it's not a scandal. It's, it's, it's a gossipy thing, if you like, you see. Like this article here, and it, it says that, um, if I can find it here, a new kinsman gets swept up in the Clinton greed and denial machine, it says. Uh, it says, successful politicians know how to avoid a conflict of interest. Unsuccessful politicians can't recognize one when they see one, or if they do, figure they can duck when sticks, stones, and subpoenas fly. Then there are the Clintons. Uh, it says here that uh, Bubba wrote the book on how to duck and weave, it says. Hillary is learning with difficulty. She doesn't have the good old boy's wink and smile. The latest Clinton saga, and says this is from the, the scandal machine that keeps on giving, was revealed this week by the New York Times. Mark Mizvinsky, husband of Chelsea, the daughter of the Clintons, has apparently used his inside track with his in-laws to attract investments to Eaglevale, the hedge fund he co-founded and manages. Several wealthy Wall Street friends of his mother-in-law who have contributed to her presidential campaign have become Mr. Mizvinsky's investors too. There's apparently nothing jilly or even unethical so far. And it and, and never will go any further because they're so powerful, the, all, all the ones in the book. This, this is a little gossipy thing, you see. It makes the ones at the bottom feel good. Wow, I knew they were like that. Oh, yeah, mm, you know. And it says, um, it may be only the reckless gamble of a cocky young man, but once you're a Clinton, even by marriage, you invite scrutiny and speculation. Mr. Mesvinsky directed his investors to put their money behind Greek government bonds, betting that the Greek's economy would improve. The New York Times reports that the $380 million fund dropped 3.6% in value last year, losing millions, while similar funds rose 5.62% on average. These newspaper observed with a serving of rye were underwhelming returns. Anyone who's held a position in the executive branch of the government should have read the guidelines published by the U.S. Office of Government Ethics. I wonder what that means, ethics. In particular, a section called Preventing Conflicts of Interest in the Executive. Well, all you do is get a bunch of lawyers to interpret it the way you want it to hear it. Anyway, it says Bill and Hillary could uh, usefully uh, review it to see where any lines legal or ethical have been crossed as scrutiny returns on their vast and sudden wealth in the fungible lines between them and a host of donors, business partners, and assorted others in their orbit. Son-in-law might give it a look too, it says. Well, that's the kind of stuff they give you, isn't it? And people go, oh, we're now, no, we're not. Like, it's all shocking to them. Who, you don't stop kidding yourselves. You've seen enough movies, for goodness sake, and soap operas. So stop pretending you're all shocked at these dynasties that you have uh, that tell you to vote democratically for, you know, the Workers' Party or whatever they want to call it these days. All these multimillionaires, you know. And there's another article here. It says, despite... 
having Goldman Sachs CEO Lloyd Blankfein as an investor and being Bill and Hillary's Clinton son-in-law, Mark Misvinsky and his two former colleagues from Goldman Sachs who manage Eagleville Partners Hedge Fund told investors in a letter sent last week they had been incorrect on Greece, having produced losses for the firm's main fund during two of the past three years. By incorrect, Chelsea Clinton's husband means the Eagleville Fund, focused on, on Greece, lost a stunning 48% last year. So, uh, then you go into the, the usual chatty, 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 gossip, gossip, gossip stuff. But um, all you can get out of it really is, is who's in on it with them, you see. Uh, the other ones who are stinking rich. And, uh, and basically, it's a gambling outfit, isn't it? That's, that's all these investment hedge funds and so on all are gambling outfits. Who's going to rise and who's going to sink, you see. But uh, it is mentioned some of the other partners there uh, that's on board with them in this particular company or or even investing with them. But that's called news today. And it's just chit-chat, isn't it? It's like street chit-chat. Did you hear about so? Oh, that's terrible! Oh, and and they go on and on, and they get all upset about it, and and, and they go into anguish, and, it's, and because they're all shocked, they're shocked. At all the previous scandals of the Clintons, this apparently shocks them. This thing that's happened now. <gasps> Who's kidding? Who? Are you really that stupid that you're shocked with this? What do you expect? What do you expect? You know, there's old, old, old sayings, and it's, it's kind of strange. I mean, I love to, to, to really analyze the human mind, you see. And you go into all the different things that have happened in a person's life, a single person, what they should have learned. Even the old saying, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. People want to be fooled all the time, it seems, because... With these little articles, they're suddenly shocked. Huh? Huh? What is it normal folk expect to the psychopathic types? What do they expect, really? Some complete major life-shattering event, and then they go on some televangelist program and recant and, and say how they've seen the light and all that, you know, a different light from the, you know, the reflection of gold and stuff. What did you really expect? Huh? Those saying the leopard can't change its spots. The only things that psychopaths can learn, the brighter ones is, is when they've been caught out before and they try to avoid that type of getting caught out or a better way not to get caught out the next time, you see. They don't have guilt on anything. They have a disdain to the ordinary folk. I, I don't care what party they prattle on about that they belong to. They're all multi-millionaires, for God's sake. And and folk who are, who, who are on about working parties or Labour or Democrat, whatever they want to call it in their country, still go and vote for them all. It's just astonishing to me. It really is. Now, another thing, too, is look at all the wars that you remember and that you've lived through in your own lifetime. And there's always money behind it and who's going to profit from it, you see. 
Never mind who profits from war, just basic war itself, munitions, uh, supplying army with all that they need, and all that kind of stuff. But you also have to look into the history that, for instance, empires used whole nations and all the poor folk in the nations to form their armies, to send abroad, to smash enemies who actually own something, so that the elite in their countries could then take ownership of it. Nothing changes, you see. Wars, behind every war, there's, there's, no matter what they tell you is the cause of it, there's always the massive profit motive, you see. And someone wants something in your country, someone who lives in your country wants something who lives in the new enemy's country, you see. And they're going to profit from it mightily. But they'll use all your tax money to, to form the armies and send them across and fight them. And, and so that's, that's how it's always been the history of the world. That's what it was. In the old days, it was kings who got jealous of their cousins in France or wherever. And they'd, they'd go off from England and, and take mercenaries then. And they'd pay the mercenaries from taxing the people. You see, the peasants. So the king could have his, his cousin's property as well And all his wealth and all the rest of it So today of course it's corporations They're all part of the, who's going to get what You see And they, they meet with prime ministers and presidents Before wars start Before the public even know there's going to be one And they, they, they tell they, they put it's like a lot, lotto basically What they want We want this and all You can have that and blah blah You see but you're always given moral causes for it. Even when it's kind of lame, like like, like Bush Jr. saying, well, we, we, we went into Iraq and got rid of um, Saddam Hussein because, well, he was a bad man and the world's better off without him. You see? He, he didn't even bother with uh, any other uh, motive. He's a bad man. Ooh. Actually, he was the only bad man in the world at the time. Oh, the whole world's looking at this. You see? Ah, propaganda, eh? But anyway, here's an article here Because they looted Iraq, remember They looted it In fact, I mentioned before It's probably in the archives at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com uh, Where I talked and read articles That were mainstream at the time uh, To do with uh, a program that was on in Canada Shown in Canada uh, Where they interviewed top Private collection guys, guys that had artifacts from thousands of years ago that were private collections from throughout the states and different countries down into Latin America. And they were putting bids in, and all the artifacts, even the, the ones that they wanted, uh, and showed you photographs of them, uh, in, the, in the museums in, in Iraq, you see. And sure as enough, they, they got what they wanted, the museums were sacked, and uh, the stuff just vanished. It is Spanish, apparently, you see. Uh, and we do, we do the same thing with, with all the money. I mean, they, they give you, in the West, this, this almost fairy tale, like the Big Bad Wolf story. That's what they do with enemies, Big Bad Wolf. They don't tell you that these Big Bad Wolves also had the nation's money, like, the, like your money, for instance, for your pension. It's all through corporations invested in abroad in enslaved labor countries, you see. And they don't tell you that it was the same thing with Iraq and Libya and places like that. So pension funds, everything, uh, dis- disappeared. We don't know where it went to. It was all stolen, of course. 
by those who got in act before the war started and put down their demands. You give us this and you'll do this for you, and etc. You see. Anyway, found in South Africa, it says Libya's trillions. And it says the South African government and President Jacob Zuma have been caught in the middle of an international wrangle over as much as two trillion rand in U.S. dollars, as well as hundreds of tons of gold and at least six million carats of diamonds and assets belonging to the people of Libya. What could be the large, world's largest cash pile is stored in pallets at seven heavily guarded warehouses and bunkers in secret locations between Joburg and Pretoria. The Libyan billions have led to a hawk's investigation into possible violation of exchange controls, we just pay them all for it, as well as international interest from the UN and the US. It's also led to heightened interest in local and international intelligence community, as well as the criminal underworld. Can you tell them apart, folks? Uh, those interested in Libyan loot include several high-ranking ANC politicians, several business leaders, former high court judge, and a number of private companies. The two trillion uh, rand held in warehouses is separate from several other billions believed to be in excess of 260 billion rand held legally in four banks in South Africa. And this is an example of... Uh, <laughs> Money, really, is supposed to go back to the people and investments and so on and pensions and yada, yada, yada. Uh, and everybody else that, that's uh, out there wants to get a hold of it for their own particular... Not the people in, say, America or Canada or Britain, but certainly high-ups who basically own those countries also want this stuff uh, from Libya too, you see. You know, spoils of war and all that kind of stuff. And this other article on the same thing, Libya scrambles to find Gaddafi's m- m- missing billions. This is apart from the outcomes of the UN-brokered peace deal that was signed July 11th in uh, Skirat, Morocco. The fact that some parties to the conflict objected on its articles and that others do not recognize some forces and figures that took part in it. Negotiations are underway in Libya. These, for the first time, are taking place in secrecy between representatives of two governments to discuss the development of a plan to protect and restore Libyan assets. Well, good luck. I don't think it'll ever happen, folks. Not for the people, anyway. Which were deposited around the world under the former regime era. And that goes on and on about it, too. So, this is just the history of the world in the 21st century, which is no different than thousands of years ago. Same thing. In other words, corruption is always with humanity. Because it's obviously an intrinsic part of human nature. And those psychopathic type are more prone to engage in it than, say, the non-psychopathic type, the more altruistic type. And that's the way it is, isn't it? That's the way it is. But to even pretend, this is what gets me, it's a pretense that you have something called freedom and democracy. That, that's what really gets me. It's nothing but a pretense. We've been kept, as I say, we've been given a false history of cowboys and things like that. In the European countries, it was always mama, papa, uh, stories with uh, uh, the Victorian and Edwardian ladies, etc., living in big mansions, which was only for a tiny, tiny minority, you see. The rest of the public, 
were pretty well illiterate and worked in awful, awful 16 to 18 hour a day jobs to get to be given basically a pittance wage, which they even had experts of that day try to figure out how many calories the average person needs just to stay alive. Any more, they might get too strong and their mind might improve. They, they knew that the calories and intakes and proteins and rest of it and vitamins were essential uh, to the development of the human brain. So you stunt it a little bit and you've got a little problem with uh, different individuals. Their brain has been stunted. The elite in all ages have used either the tribe around them, or the tribes, plural, around them, and to the nations around them to aggrandize themselves, enrich themselves. And it's, nothing's changed. Nothing ever can change in a money system, actually. And they manage the minds of the people. They always give you a religion where, uh, where the public are always bitching and bitching, oh, that's terrible what they've done to us, and so on, you see, and... You get taxed out your little hovel or forced to go off to wars and so on. You, you, you know what they're about or where they are. They give you simplistic propaganda reasons for going off. Uh, but you get nothing out of it except maybe a wooden leg or something. And that's the real history of the world. This, this human nature of the same types running us all down through history. But again, the winners and, and the elites always make sure you're given a, a, a version of history where special people down through the ages looked after your masses, you see. They were special. They didn't have a, didn't have a wicked thought in their heads, you see. And we're, we're taught to believe this. You can't believe what they used to teach in school. All your dates and times and generals and conquerors and kings and queens and stuff like that where the bulk of the population were never mentioned. They were just non-entities. You were not a somebody, as they say, you see. You were not a somebody. So only the somebodies get to be mentioned. And it's strange that all the somebodies always are stinking rich, isn't it? It's quite something. And they're held up to be the, the, the people that you should emulate and, and worship. And people do worship wealth. And they worship the folk that have it. It's rather sad to see the groveling start when the, the rich, rich, rich person, the, and who's also maybe a TV personality, walks into the room. It's like doffing the, the hat when the master came out of his big gated house, you see. Same thing again, and that seems to be human nature. Really, really, really sad. But what they did give you, they did give you, to stop rebellions and things, is that the wicked, the wicked, you see, would get their comeuppance when they died, after they died. And the other world, you see, and they made sure you believed in that other world, because it was written in some stone or something uh, that the wicked would get their comeuppance, you see. And uh, I said, well, it's fine. I may be living on the, the, the fat of the land right now and the fat of us and, uh, and off our backs, but he's going to get his when he dies, you see. You could never prove it, of course, because no one ever came back to tell you what it was really like. Oh, well, mind you, I should, I should really uh, disclaim what I just said because a certain... 
talk show shows at night, they're going to ghosts and Bigfoot and everything, and they tell you that, oh, by God, not only have the mediums evolved, now called channelers, but by God, you might be, and, and they brought in together all the new age stuff together into one big sum to be really profitable today as a modern day prophet. So you've you got to bring it all together, spirituality, mediums, wickedness, all the different things out there, UFOs. You might have been a reincarnated alien from a different planet. They actually have mediums out there saying that now, churning out the books, of course, with the ghostwriters and making a fortune on it. But anyway, you see, really, they can never really produce the evidence that the wicked folk get their comeuppance when they die. As human beings, we expect justice. There's something in the normal human nature that expects justice out of things. And you never really see it, do you? You never see it. It doesn't happen. But real justice is. And then again, that's a whole issue in itself, this term justice, where it came from, what it means, blah, blah, blah. And the role of oh, lawyers and things like that. You see, far different from the fi- the fiction version of Perry Mason or whoever the, group, the, the latest in-group in lawyer is today, uh, series on television. But you're, you're, they keep pamming it off. You don't worry about that. Those nasty, wicked folk that got you into this war and who profited from it personally and, and through their family, all incredibly stinking rich, they'll get theirs after they've died, you see. Quite some, isn't it? That's the best they can give you because they can't give you any proof they're suffering now. Eh? In fact, all you see is the absolute opposite that they ain't suffering at all. They're doing pretty well. They're jetting all over the planet and off to massive, uh, massively expensive uh, resort places for just for the ultra rich and elites with their silvery beaches and palm trees and things like that. That's what you're given. I mentioned before, I never understood the fascination with murder mysteries. I've never understood that. And folk would buy up the novels, still do, and read them the murder mysteries. Is it because secretly they're not happy with the idea you get the bad get punished once they're dead? And they, they, they wondered that themselves if they could get away with it. Is that why they read all these? They, they just gobble them up. Murder mysteries. You see? Human nature again, it seems. Now, the elite today have huge public relations organizations and companies and firms making sure they don't get involved publicly. In any scandal, you see. The little bits that they feed you on the Clintons now, it's just gossip. It ain't going to go anywhere, as you well know. But you, you, everything's done in secret today. Re- reality uh, at higher levels is going to affect all your lives as secret for the reasons of national security or national economic security, like all these treaty partnership deals to sew the world up with the big corporate bodies at the top, you see. Here's an article here, for instance, that says, The world's biggest companies in finance, technology, pharmacology, tobacco and telecoms 
are dominating discussions with the European Executive Body's Trade Department responsible for the proposed European bloc U.S. Free Trade Treaty, which could become the biggest such deal ever made. Between January 2012 and February 2014, as the TTIP, its Trade Investment Partnership, a discussion began, the Commission's Trade Department, DG Trade, had 597 behind-closed-door meetings with lobbyists to discuss the negotiations according to internal Commission files obtained by Research Group Corporate European Observatory. There were 520 meetings, 88% with business lobbyists, while only 53, uh, which is 9%, were with groups such as trade unions and non-governmental organisations. The remainder were with other parties such as public institutions and academics. European Trade Commissioner Cecilia Malmström took office in November last year, promising a fresh start for the TTIP negotiations. More civil society involvement <laughs> and listening to public concerns <laughs> was her top priority, she said. Yet in her first six months in the office, Ms. Malmström, her cabinet and the director general of DG Trade had 121 one-on-one private lobby meetings in which TTIP was discussed. That's the history of the world. It's the history of the world. Since politicians have joined campaigners in calling for greater transparency in the Commission's negotiations after the Independent published the heavily redacted correspondence between big tobacco companies, British American Tobacco, and Philip Morris, obtained by CEO. Uh, actually, the whole tobacco thing's about you, yeah, Joe. They never mentioned the fact that the, the, the big thing they should be talking about is something that everyone's doing, and that's eating, and it's the GM food, the modified food, the generally engineered food that's killing us all. Soaked in pesticides of the worst kind. So even in an article, they can get, they can get purposely, because they, those who feed information to these guys can sway off and say, oh, it's tobacco, tobacco, it's bad for you, bad for you, because everyone's had the, the brainwashing for years and, and how bad it is for you. But rather than discuss the fact that the, the poison food that we're eating, hmm? everyone's eating. And it says, and the Green MEP, Molly Scott Cato, said the censoring that the Commission has undertaken regarding its discussions with big tobacco reaffirms the secrecy surrounding these negotiations as symbolic of the way members of the European Parliament, the European Parliament and European citizens are being treated. It's so vague to me, this whole Europe idea. You're not, you're not French or, or British or Scottish or whatever anymore. No, you're European, run by a Commission at the top that itself is secret at the top. And folk vote because they're told that they're free and democratic. Oh, <laughs> dear lordy, lordy. Aye, 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 aye. Isn't that something? The rubbish that we're fed. It's amazing how it seems to work on because people keep voting all the time, don't they? I mean, surely the only ones, maybe already the only ones who vote are the, are, are the, cor- the corporate owned through their big, you know, um, foundations groups that fund uh, the top lobby leaders uh, for the NGOs, non-governmental Maybe the only guys eventually voting as NGOs, paid for by the big foundations and because you're so free and democratic, you see, and well informed and transparent governments are there, obviously you know, you can see right through them hopefully, if you've got any brain at all, you can see through any of these politicians, but anyway 
You get the European Commission's increasing security of the TTIP text following leaks. So, so there you go. It's not for you to know what's going on. They call that a leak if you know, you see. The European Commission is making the secret transatlantic trade and investment partnership trade deal even more secret. Even more secret, you see. Introducing a new rule that means politicians can only view the text in a secure reading room in Brussels. It was the same thing that happened here recently with the big, big trade deal. So an investigation by a German news site correctly has revealed that the Commission is cracking down on TTIP security following a series of leaks purportedly by EU member states who had accessed information on the deal electronically. Hmm. Oh, hackers. EU Trade Commissioner Cecilia Malmstrom has said that no more reports on TTIP negotiations will be sent to member states <laughs> because of important vulnerabilities in the last rounds of negotiations. So that, what little bit there was is going to be even more secret, you see. Ooh, what is that super secret? What do you call that? Hmm? All these levels of secrecy now. I thought a secret was a secret to start with, but now you've got all levels of secrecy. Of super, super secret. Super, super, super secret. And all that, eh? So officials were told of this change in policy July 24th at a meeting in Brussels in which the Commission explained that the documents had been submitted to databases of member states' national parliaments, meaning that hundreds of people have actually uncontrolled access. <gasps> in a free society, and there are hundreds of folk that have actually got access to it. And so the Brussels reading room appears to be a solution where national and EU representatives will have to go if they want to find out what's happening to the TTIP text. It's just not just TTIP that is taking such extreme measures. The US-Asia equivalent, called the Trans-Pacific Partnership, has a similar super-secure reading room. Actually, they only time them two for so many minutes to read uh, each document, you see. It's quite amazing, eh? In the basement of the U.S. Capitol is a room, a locked soundproof room, and the only people allowed in this room are U.S. senators, and they can't bring their assistants, they can't bring their phones, they can't even take notes in there. It's not allowed. Because they were, that's so secret because it's all for your good, you know. That's why it's secret, you see. Smith's astonishment at the extent of security is shared by European politicians about the Brussels reading room. Leading German politician Norman Lammert told uh, correctly, as any of the organizers, I do not agree with this decision. Confidentiality is also possible transmission by electronic means. And Germany's uh, Federal Ministry of Economic Affairs stated that the Commission's decision was counterproductive. Klaus Ernst, German MP who sits on the Economic Committee of the Bundestag, said, This operation is simply unacceptable. The EU Commission has completely become independent while it is also negotiating on behalf of the member states. Like they're just finding out that I've been talking about for years that the Commission in Europe that runs the whole system is secret. It's non democratic. The whole European system is non democratic at all. Like the United Nations. Now, I'll also put up tonight some links to. The Mercosur, Mercosur, it's again, it's like a BRICS organization, um, and it's based, this one is based in uh, Latin America too, like some of the member countries are, members of this organization as well, 
And you understand the whole world's getting sewn up by these treaties. It was, this whole idea was planned well over 100 years ago across the world to bring in this global governance, as I want to call it today, the system, you see. But says Mercosur was established in 1991 by the Treaty of Asuncion, which was later amended and updated by the 1994 Treaty of Uru Preto. Uh, Mercosur originated in 1985 when Presidents Raul Alfonso of Argentina and Jose Sarney of Brazil signed the Argentina-Brazil Integration and Economics Cooperation Program, or PICE. You know. They should put Spanish at the front, so you give S to give SPICE then. You know. Anyway, it says Portuguese uh, Programa de Integracio e Cooperacio uh, Economica, Argentina, Brazil, Spanish, and so on. Uh, the founding of the Mercosur Parliament was agreed upon at December 2004 presidential summit and expect to have 18 reps from each country by 2010. And it goes on and on. I'll put some links up to this organization as well. So whether they go the BRICS way or this way, they'll end up, because uh, you know darn well, it's to, get, it's to get blocks formed and then you amalgamate the blocks, you see. Even though you think initially all the supporters of it are, are opposing each other, they'll, they'll amalgamate them all, you see, into one big massive block. You know, someone said, I think it was, that evil never sleeps and wickedness never does either. And and it's true to the extent because the big boys are rather evil and wicked. They can afford to have big think tanks working on how to manage all of us. And it's like a chess game, you see. And they plan the future out for themselves to make sure that their own offspring are going to be in control of everything uh, right down through the ages, you see. That's how power within these families works. And that's how they keep a hold of the wealth and the power, you understand. So really, the world's much the same as it's always been. And uh, throw out all the novelties of, uh, you know, the, the wonderful Disney past, all that nonsense, and the stuff that Hollywood churns out, which is awfully toxic anyway. But... Uh, you, you, there's nothing out there that doesn't have an agenda to it. There really isn't anything. And I've noticed too with alternative news and so on, it's gone all the way of the new age and trivia and yada yada and they jump on shootings in the US and, and they go overboard with it, trying to see what it is. And it's generally some one lone person who's got mental problems and regardless of his so-called caste or race, whatever you want to call it, um, he wants to get famous because I always see me post things up before they go and kill folk, you see. And we do know there's a, a particular type of mental illness that does that, of people who are ineffectual, uh, they have problems with personality, they can't get on with anybody, and, but they want to be famous. And, um, and, and, that's, and the problem is, too, when folk harping on and on and on about it, you get copycat killers as well. Who grab a hold of the idea And they do it too You see, well I got that person famous I'll become famous too uh, This idea of fame is getting worse and worse Isn't it? Especially uh, with again uh, All their Facebook pages And LinkedIn pages And things like that And their reality shows on television Everybody wants to be in it, you see uh, And they all want to be stars for something Even if it's just for killing other people you don't get to be a star for killing other people unless you're some top general or whatever. Uh, that, that's when you get, become a star, you see. But uh, the reality is, you know, the life has been organized for an awful, awful long time, but definitely things are changing uh, because the culture is destroyed pretty well. 
is there a kind of impasse because so many different groups are opposing other groups and, and racial factions going on and everyone's getting used, of course. And the last folk ever to know they're getting used are the followers of anything. Unfortunately, that is true. It's just the history of the world. They're definite sciences, very old sciences of ruling massive millions of populations within countries. Very old, indeed. And they can always be used to maintain the power of those in control or who are presented to you as going to restore order or whatever it happens to be. Now, I'll just finish off tonight with this, again, in this era of no news, because <laughs> everything's secret, you see, uh, by saying you get the books and discs at cuttingthroughmatrix.com. Uh, that helps me tick along. You'll get uh, a lot of good ideas out of them. Lots of other authors certainly have. And uh, you, you'll learn, because after all, you've got a brain and you should be using it, shouldn't you? It's all you've got. It's your own brain. Never mind what other folks say to you. Never mind that so many of the alternative media now is all into the new age and they're chasing Bigfoot and all the fascinating things. They're all safe. They're all safe topics, you see. I mean, you'll never get Bigfoot coming out of the forest and saying, I'm taking a lawsuit against so-and-so for saying this about me. And so, but it won't happen. It's, these are perfectly safe subjects or ghost stories and things like that, you see. Or UFOs. I've never seen an alien on trial yet. I don't think I will from outer space. So you understand... Don't let other people take control of your brain. Yeah, it's fascinating, this stuff. I say ghosts and things like that. It's something that's fascinating. That's what it should stay is. It's just in the world of fascination and entertainment because you'll never catch one you know, and get it to confess to anything. It just doesn't happen, you see. So get your brain straight for your existence here on this world. Because it's the only life that you got. They can be certain of. You wake up in the morning and you pinch yourself. Oh, yeah, it's still me. And you might have an aching or a pain or something. Or you go, oh, I've got a bill to sell the day or something like that. That's unfortunately the way of real life. That's why escapism is really deluged on you today. So you can get into fantasy and escapism. Because life's pretty, pretty nasty at times, isn't it? It can suck. And the lower down in the totem pole you are, the more it sucks. So, as I say, help me take along by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughmatrix.com. You'll see how to order there. And you can help uh, keep me going by donating as well. And how to donate and what to use is up on the website as well at cuttingthroughmatrix.com. So, from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, on a heavily sprayed rainy day, it's good night. And may your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>